VMGM, Vagabond Magazine, good morning. I'm C.D. Demisio, your host this week and some other weeks too. Joined today by the editorial team of Vagabond Magazine, Riona Morgan, editor-in-chief, managing editor E.R. Donaldson, our fashion editor, the amazing and very fashionable Quanta, literary editor, Cryptoversal Books, and unfortunately today, our friend and tech editor, Indefatigable is not able to join us. But to make up for that, today we do have some special guests. We've got Scott Homan, who is the director and creative genius behind Witness Underground. We've got Ryan Sutter, who is the founder of Nuclear Gopher, which we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. We've got my friend Anthony Mathenia, who is a producer on Witness Underground and also just a creative mass of person you you got to talk with anthony more so we've got all these guys here how are you guys hey thanks for having us on this is really exciting really appreciate it ryan can you hear us okay i can hear you thank you thank you so much for joining us glad to be here anthony so glad to have you here rona morgan how are you today I am great. I am so glad to be here, and I cannot wait to hear all of the things that we are going to be immersed in today. Okay. Well, you know what? Just to get us started, I'm going to go ahead and play the Kickstarter trailer for Witness Underground. Uh, I'm Rhett Sutter, and I'm doing a demonstration tape on the modern audio equipment that our studio has, just in case you want to come and record in our modern studio. Clear Gopher was a record label and online community of Jehovah's Witnesses who all did indie music. It just blew up, but it all stayed in these weird little bounds. Witnesses can listen to music. It's not like a footloose situation where like the preacher's like, no music ever. But stuff is frowned upon. You need to really beware of that disco beat because that disco beat invites the demons. This is not inviting the demons, it's Lionel Richie. They think that any moment now, God is going to destroy the world. At 17, I basically thought to myself, what am I doing? Is this how I want to live my life? Like, do I even believe this? If they just treated people all right and had some kooky beliefs, I could totally live with it. But friends who committed suicide because they're gay and they're a witness, everything just changed. Music was my savior at that point. The moment people started taking it seriously is the moment that someone would start to, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. We started talking, and she's like, well, so if we split up, would you still be a witness? What I actually said was, no, I don't believe any of it anymore. And I never saw her again. Your wife? Yeah, I never physically saw her again. Nuclear Gopher was very special. It created a space for people to be eccentric and creative and also as healthy as you could be in that culture. And while it lasted, it was like the best. (laughs) 
Okay, so I, I think I can speak for everybody when I say uh, it's it's a pretty powerful trailer. It's a pretty powerful project. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that we all have some questions. But my first question, Scott, for those who have never been exposed to uh, Jehovah's Witnesses or, or, you know, what that might be is, could you explain a little bit what the Witnesses are and also what shunning is? Because that seems to be a big part of uh, what you're talking about in, in the documentary. Shunning is the main topic of the movie. Thank you for your question. And, and we dive into, we demonstrate how dark it is in that culture, in that faith group. And the religion itself, most people think of them as a benign group of people who are well-meaning, who just like Jesus, and they try to spread the word of the Bible to people. And they have some quirky things, like they don't celebrate any holidays or birthdays, which is true. The, that second part is true. The first part about them being a benign, helpful group um, with your best, in, you know, with good intentions um, is is false. And we want to show the public that they actually are a dangerous group and they're your neighbors and they're influencing people in your community everywhere, everywhere that Christianity exists in the world. And that's most places um, they, they exist and they they try to convert people. That's like one of their one of their big things. They've been doing the last fifty, well, hundred years, I guess. They've been going since they kind of started in nineteen or eighteen eighty seven. This kind of like it was almost like a startup, as you would say today. Like they're a, a a book publishing company, and they were kind of uh, cool people in the scene in New York. And then the people that took over turned it into like a very bizarre group that's very high control. And they manipulate people to essentially become slaves, give up all of your pursuits, your goals, don't get an education, just do whatever they tell you. And um, they are selling immortality for the small fee of um, slavery, <laughs> mental, mental slavery and just manipulation, really. It's an abusive group, and they're put, pushing bad ideas out into the world, and they're trying to get you to cut off your family relationships and, and stick with them, join their spiritual family. They're very culty. So, uh, so I have some personal experience with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, so my, my aunt, uh, was indoctrinated into the, into the cult. She was a lifelong member from, I guess, about the age of twenties or her twenties. She was in an abusive, uh, marriage and, you know, her husband sort of like pushed her and, and they got into this. And my cousins, man, growing up, like, you know, whenever we would stay the night, she would force us to go to the, the meetings and sometimes we'd go to the assemblies and they were always couched with things like, oh, we're all going to go and see a baseball game afterwards. And, you know, my parents were just like, oh, whatever, you know, go to go to the cult and, and enjoy Disneyland. But I saw my cousins really suffer all the way through this process. I mean, they... um they were just normal kids, you know, and, and they they all got shunned. Every one of them they got got shunned and kicked out. And then my cousin's daughter, who's she's a grown woman with, I think, three kids of her own now. Her and her husband were both witnesses, and they've both recently been shunned for music. So there's a very I understand oh, wow. what you're what you're talking about here. And I've tried to connect uh, my cousin, my cousin's daughter with uh, with Anthony and, and you. So hopefully that will Great. happen and she can, you know escape with music. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about in just a second is mm -hmm. the role that music played in the escape. But before we get to that, I want to make sure, uh, see if our editors have any questions for you about, about witnesses, about what it is, any, anything like that. So okay. also sure. odd writings has joined us up on the stage and we're still going to try to get grill convict up here. 
Yes. Hello. I'm Rihanna Morgan. I can jump in a little bit and say I am so inspired by you and this project that you all are bringing together. And I, I have had experiences myself with Jehovah Witnesses and the, if you're not with us, you're against us kind of feeling. And I just wanted to say you are so brave and you're going to help an immense amount of people. And I, I'm so honored that you're here with us, that you get to share this and that we get to be part of your voice and help, help support that. So thank you so much for coming. And I don't have a question right now. I want everybody to be able to, to go around and give their thoughts. And, um, but I definitely, we definitely will come back and I definitely do have, have some additional thoughts. So thank you so much. Thank you, Rihanna. Really appreciate that. So we do have another, another editor that hasn't joined us today, uh, indefatigable, and he's shared pretty extensively that that his family is involved in a cult. I don't think it's Jehovah's Witnesses, but uh, unfortunately, he wasn't able to come with us today. But I'm sure he'll have some questions for you afterwards, Scott. And Anthony, we're still trying to get you up on the stage. Quanta, did I see uh, you have a question? I, uh, no, I don't have a question. But, um, Scott, I'd just like to say I have not... I have not heard of uh, Jehovah's Witnesses before today, but um, where I come from, there are uh, a lot of religious sects and a group of, there is always a fanatic group uh, in each of these sects, and it uh, uh, relates to what you are talking about and how they inculcate them into religion and take them away from uh, knowing their true selves, you know, and putting their faith into um, uh, into an organization or a leader and not in themselves. So um, congratulations and uh, hats off to you. It's, it's a very big step. I would say it, it is a dangerous step in a way that you are going against, um, uh, against very strong and I would say brutally mind mindsets, brutal mindsets. So, um, yeah, uh, I applaud you. Thank you. Yeah. That's actually, um, it's a, it's a powerful group and company and they're like a litigation powerhouse. So that was an early concern with us was that we might get litigated. And then the, the flip side to that is that might be really great advertising. So bring it on. <laughs> um, there is some violent act every single year, at least one somewhere like in Kerala in India. Um, yesterday there was a bombing actually at, um, one of the Jehovah's witness assemblies, um, a few months back last earlier this year, there was a shooting in Germany where someone got shunned. He was kicked out and then went back and murdered like eight people in his church, his kingdom hall, um, part of this religion. So there is some level of, of fear of putting this out, but for the most part, the members of the active members of the religion are pretty nonviolent. They're generally pacifists, although where I'm from, every Jehovah's Witness has a gun, but that's just Wisconsin, <laughs> where, I'm, where I grew up. Um, I'm not concerned about them taking violent action. The religion is, does litigate and does spin people into like litigation battles that cost a lot of money. They bury their opposition with legal battles a lot similar to Scientology. And I think to the point of um, the other person who didn't show up, but is a part of, was a part of something, um, another high control group, or even just talking to like, what you said in, in, in where you came from, uh, Quanta, 
Um, there are there are many many groups that use these kinds of structures in the world, and it's not just this one. We happen to talk about this particular religion specifically, and this yeah. particular uh, their vor- version of shunning, which is one of the more one of the more the more severe versions of shunning. Like Mormons have a similar thing, but it's a little bit lighter. Orthodox Jews have a very similar thing. Ultra Orthodox as well. Um, but you know, they they look at us. I've, I've been to interfaith ex community hangouts. <laughs> We're like ex-Jews, ex-Mormons, ex-Jehovah's Witnesses are all hanging out. It sounds like the beginning of a joke. But they're like, oh, my God, we feel so bad for you guys. We can still have holidays and dinners with our families. Like, they still talk to us, and we still, like, have relationships, grandchildren and grandparents. But with the Jehovah's Witnesses, it's, like, severe. You will never see them for the rest of your life. Or if you do, it's like they have to keep it a secret kind of thing. But thank you for thank you, thank you for um, making yeah. the comparison thank to other cultures. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I mean, because it is it is really hard to see to see people uh, and it's very hard to get your point across to them, you know? So uh, thank you for that. And I think I'm finally on, I had some difficulties, so I had to switch methods. So sorry, Scott, for having to hold it down. Hello, CD. And hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. Anthony, we got you. That's so great. Thank you for your perseverance, man. Obviously you persevere. So, so you're living in a cabin by yourself in Montana now and writing letters to the Washington post. Just, kidding. uh, no, but uh, no, I'm, I'm in Arkansas, but it was funny. The other day I was wearing a hoodie and I had sunglasses on and yeah, I looked, I looked quite the person of, uh, of someone else of, you know, no, <laughs> I just said it was my Halloween costume. <laughs> That's a pretty good Halloween costume, actually. Okay, so you guys, uh, just to reset the room very quickly, I'm CD Demicio. This is VMGM, Vagabond Magazine's uh, weekly conversation where we look at lifestyle in Web3 and other places. Uh, and I'm joined on the stage by Scott Homan. He's the director and the, the mastermind behind Witness Underground, a film about... Uh, people using music to escape from a cult, essentially. Also joined by my friend, Anthony Mathenia. We are long-term collaborators. I think this is the first time we've ever voice conversed, though, which is kind of strange since we've been uh, friends for more than a decade. But that's the world that we live in. Also on the stage, Riona Morgan, uh, editor-in-chief of Vagabond Magazine, Quanta, the fashion editor for Vagabond Magazine, Cryptoversal Books, uh, who is the literary editor for VM, and E.R. Donaldson, who is the managing editor for VM. Also, our friends Odd Writings and Epic Dylan have joined us on the stage. They are long-term listeners and collaborators and lots of stuff. So we've got a lot going on today. We've had some technical difficulties, but we have managed to get through it. Um, And what we were talking about right now uh, is the Jehovah's Witnesses and the shunning, which is sort of the basis of Witness Underground. We just saw the trailer. If you guys haven't seen it, I did post a link to the Kickstarter where you can find the trailer and you can you can catch up that way by checking that out. But I want to ask Scott and Anthony, have you guys been shunned? Absolutely. Yeah. Like oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I have very limited contact with my family, mainly, mainly through my mother. And I mean, that's just... I'll give her an update every year and she'll give me an update every year. Uh, but no, all family, all friends, everybody of your past, it's a complete start over in life on your own. Yeah. I have, um, 17 family members in the religion. Um, one brother will talk to me if I show up in Germany 
so I don't see or hear from him often. And I go to see his kid um, every other year or so. And then my mom has recently started talking to me about baking so we can send each other recipes. And that's like the only topic we'll talk about. Um, but that's after 13 years of silence. So, you know, there's some, there's some things happening, but for the most part, I have zero contact. I have th two living grandparents that are in it in their late nineties, like 98, 99. And I probably won't ever talk to them again. Kind of level of shunning like they're extreme. I, I just can't even imagine how that must feel. Um, I, I mean, I can imagine, but I, the reality must be so different. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's, it gives you, it. yeah, it gives you a lot of creative drive. I'll say that. So you know, all life circumstances, you're going to have some you're going that are good. You have some that are negative, but they all give you skills to what you need to take it to the next step further. And like being on hold for most of my life and coming out of it with a creative drive, it just kind of propelled me really, really fast. And that was kind of the days when we were uh, first meeting each other, CD and. And that was me trying to uh, write a book. Well, I believe you've written several of them since then, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, books, comic books, graphic novels. I had a very long uh, creative bucket list because I was held back so much, you know, within my uh, cultural background that when I was finally exiled and on my own, I was just on a mission basically to do it all, experience it all be it all, and hopefully find myself through uh, artistic endeavors. Well, hey, I see that Ryan Suter, he also uh, figures prominently in in the documentary. You've joined us up on the stage, Ryan. Uh, let's see. Can we hear you? Um, I don't know. Can you hear me? We can. We can hear you. All right. Fantastic. And it's Sutter, S-U-T-T-E-R. Sorry about that. And I wanted to ask also, Scott, I'm oh, saying your last name correct, right? And Anthony? Holman. I don't know how did you say my last name? It's Mathenia. I was close. I, I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, it was, I was saying Mathenia. Perhaps I can introduce Ryan just to give some context to everyone here. Um, Nuclear Gopher was a music scene that Ryan and his family sort of uh, were the nucleus of. They created it, him and his brother, the co-founders as preteens or teenagers. And it's a music studio that was within the Jehovah's Witnesses. Anthony and I, Gorilla Convict and I, were sort of on the extreme orbit. We're the Pluto or Neptune zone of the nuclear gopher commu music community. He was, Anthony's out in, it was out in Missouri and St. Louis, and I was in northern Wisconsin in the boonies. But we'd heard of this and gotten in touch with that community. As other, we were both in our own bands and other places where nuclear gophers generally like seated in Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And um, so, yeah. That would be the introduction, I would say. It's a perfect introduction. And what, what I want to do now, you guys, is I want to talk specifically because we focus on Web3 lifestyle at Vagabond Magazine. And one of the one of there's a few dovetails with your project. But one of the ones that I wanted to talk about is this this role of creativity and how creativity can help you to break out of whatever is holding you back. Because Web3, it isn't just about cryptocurrency. It's not just about NFTs. It's it's about taking control of your own destiny in a sense and that's what what happened with nuclear gopher and the role of music and creativity in getting you guys out of cults is astounding and beautiful so i want to talk about the role of music about your music um let's start with ryan can you tell us how music sort of i guess set you free yeah um 
you know, I'm go- I'm going to try to segue or connect directly to the Web3 conversation as well a little bit because um, Nuclear Gopher, when we first started it, it was, you know, just uh, kids who grew up Jehovah's Witnesses and we were also musicians and we just did it with our friends, right? It wasn't like we had a plan to go change the world. Um, but it actually really blossomed and started to change everybody's lives Uh because of web one <laughs> like we uh we went online with uh nucleargopher.com in like 1995 and um i was uh, a fledgling software engineer at the time and um you know was just trying to make ends meet and decided that having a platform like the internet which was a word that was still new to everybody at the time um was like a really fantastic way to um, take our music and um, not only share it with the rest of the world, but also to, um, to be able to like, I don't know, use it as a way to build some community and connect with like-minded people. And that's exactly what wound up happening. We, we wound up running this website for, um, several years we actually when i first put it online um initially it was a streaming uh you might might find this funny but it was uh the first streaming album on the internet and it was designed to stream over a 14.4 dial-up and um sound quality was not great um (laughs) but the uh the creativity being able to work um, not just on our music, but also to be able to work on the technology. And then that's what kind of led things to get, um, you know, documentary worthy because when the, the other Jehovah's Witnesses uh, in other states or neighboring areas, they, they all were able to connect through this website. And it built this sort of distributed community that grew very organically and very naturally. And it, um, it created a, a real safe space for a lot of people who in their congregations or in their day-to-day lives, they didn't really feel like they could do community, they could do, or they could do music, they could do creativity, but all of a sudden they were seeing, oh, there's other people who are making music. I can also do that. It's okay. Here's a community. And it led to these, you know, uh, music festivals. It led to um, just a whole, like, crazy it it blew up so much bigger than me and my siblings in the basement uh, making our music and i don't think it could have happened without the technology for one um but because it happened it it all like so so much of this played out online including the the part where we all got so connected by the music that when like i left the religion then um you know other people read things i wrote on my blog and again there was sort of like the technology gave them a little bit of anonymity and um, ability to stay in touch even though they couldn't stay in touch inside the religion and that led to a bunch of people um collectively most of the core of the nuclear gopher scene um wound up uh finding you know their own way in life and and taking a free thought path and using their creativity and their music as a way, not just to contain or remain connected to each other, but also to um, like kind of heal from the pain and and trauma that comes with leaving that religion. Because when you leave, they, they, you know, you can be a kind of a outcast or an edge uh, fringe person, like, like Scott mentioned, 
um, while you're in, but once you actually leave, they they never talk to you again. Like your family and friends and everything, you're just shunned forever. So um, the music was this huge personal thing that started at a very you know personal level, just and then it expanded to be a community thing, um, thanks to the outreach of of the ver- very early web, and then it expanded to be a very personal. Uh, and 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 I would say um, important thing um, for a lot of us uh, after we left because it it's kept us together as a community. It's kept us connected to each other. It's kept us doing this like all here right now talking. It's why Scott and I ever met. Um, so yeah, I mean the, the it all really comes together very nicely. Um, but it it was just sort of that enabling technology enabling uh creativity and it it ultimately was able to triumph over you know a closed and controlled society powerful man um you know this is this is why creativity and focusing on the creative is so important um you know because you never know i mean the truth is the reason why i'm friends with riona morgan and cryptoversal and quanta and er donaldson and and you know odd writings everyone here is because of creativity. Like this is what opened the door to all of us knowing each other, knowing one another. It's why Nadoro's here. It's why Odd Writings is here. It's, uh, it's why you guys are here. You know, it's why Anthony and myself became friends. The creative urge has to be met, and also it has so much power. It has so much power to break you free. Um, okay, Scott. And Anthony, I want to hear from you guys on what Ryan said. Like, um, tell me about your music and your creativeness. And Anthony, you touched on it a little bit, but I'd love to hear more. I can. I'll go ahead, Anthony. Okay, so I was just going to say, like, maybe I'll just give a background to my connection with uh, with Ryan. It was it was through um, his webpage that he put up, and so picture me at the time uh, wanting to play music, wanting to record music. And being in a situation where you have to just do it in your basement. And, you know, you can't get your music or your art out there at all. It's a frustrating thing to, to be in. Then suddenly, you know, you're randomly browsing, you know, I don't know, all 14,000 web pages that were out back then. And one of them is this, this record label. And you're reading uh, the live journals of people that are involved in the nuclear gopher community. So it super excited me and gave me hope and made me feel less weird or odd or singled out meeting them. And so I got the opportunity to go play one of their shows up there. I was doing electro pop music at the time with my then wife. And that was a place where we just felt so welcome. And it just created a situation where we felt like we didn't have to give up hope. You know, we didn't have to give up our creative dreams. You know, we didn't have to just be religious people handing out pamphlets every weekend. And so even though I'm no longer involved in that culture, in that community, uh, these are the things that I carry with me today. I carry with me that DIY ethic of like, I want to record a song. So, okay, I have to get a a computer now and I got to get all this equipment. And I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. Okay, now I got to figure out how to get it online. And all those things, all those skills that come, and Ryan talks about the movie, of having to do it yourself 
because you're in such an insular community. It really gives you, I don't know, if these are the things that I carry with me today and like the many things I've been involved in, it's always that drive and that DIY passion and this kind of thing where you're like, you're feeling like you're trying to get a voice in the world and what's the best way to get a voice at any given time. I had a bit of a different experience. Um, we had, I was kind of, my dad joined the religion when we were young. And so I was raised in it or around it more. Like my mom never really took it that seriously. Um, so I had, I had normal friends, if you could say that. Like I was friends with Pentecostals, Catholics, Lutherans, atheists, and we played music. And that was our whole thing. Like we were, wanted, we were just doing covers of Nirvana and um, I don't know, anything really like anything 90s alternative and before and um i had my parents bought the neighbor's house and so we had like basically like um after they died and um we had this whole extra house on our land in the middle of nowhere in wisconsin and so we invited like anyone to play music and so it's was a very open community and so and i'd never met jehovah's witness artists before so it's just me and my friends and then when i started meet my my parents, my dad was encouraging me to meet other witnesses. So the next town over the next County, I met some and they played music. And so I invited them to play. And so then I was like bridging the gap between like my County's music people and this people in the religion making music. And at some point I, I had like a come to Jesus talk with my dad and I'd kind of not been going to church after leaving, after moving out at 18, 19. And he's like, just try to give it, try to take it seriously. I'm like, I don't even believe half this stuff. And I was like, well, I'm keeping the band if I'm going to do this more. And I'm living in the studio. And he, we made this whole deal. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop playing. Well, I actually toured and played a, did an album with like my high school buddies like that we, we played with for years. And then I was like, I'm going to make my own band in the religion. And um, it was during that time um, where, I, where I came across Nuclear Gopher. And it was sort of like, oh, there's like another studio. We, we have our studio that, I mean, it's very, it's very, like, very DIY, very horizontally run anyone who wants to do anything can do anything there kind of vibe and i was like oh there's like a whole thing like this inside the religion that's crazy and i kind of got sucked into the religion because there was this music scene that was cool and i had respect for them because up until that point i was like oh man those people are so churchy and into jesus and i'm just not and i'm trying so hard to like take this seriously oh there's cool people here it's like one in one in a thousand jehovah's witnesses are super cool or one, you know, whatever the number is. And I was like, I'm just only going to hang out with musicians if they're in their religion. And so I had this like weird thing where I'd only hang out with Jehovah's Witness musicians and artists. Um, and that kind of, I ended up moving to Minneapolis where the scene was and I got to become friends with a lot of these people. And, um, and then it all sort of dissolved in like the couple of years I was in Minneapolis. It just like the whole thing collapsed. I didn't know what the drama was. And then years later I found out and like most of my friends who I met through that also had left the religion. So we've just kept in touch all the time because we actually had a relationship based on something of passion that we shared. And um, anyway, I had this like bizarre in and out world that I was in at that time, but nuclear gopher like made it super cool. <laughs> um, and it was interesting ride and they're fascinating intellectual people. We were trading books. Like we all read Dawkins and we all read Sam Harris at the time. And we all had our albums out and it was just like a really vibrant, interesting community that was mixed with the public as well, because they were publicly putting their music out on a website and publicly playing shows at cafes and whatnot. Anyway, very interesting time. And I kind of got, I went to school for photography at that time. And then I ended up like always, I had this whole love for documentary my whole life. And so when it came time to like, after getting shunned and leaving the religion to tell a story, I, I hit everyone up in this community. I was like, would you guys could I use your music to soundtrack this project I want to do? I started interviewing ex-witnesses I found when I was living in Vietnam and I found when I was in Germany. And I just, I just want to like, 
I think I want to tell this story about shunning. I don't know how to do it. I want to try. And they're like, yeah, use our music. That'd be awesome. And then when we crowdfunded to do more of that project after doing like 10 episodes on YouTube with XW coming out, I was like, I want to do this in a bigger way. Let's get some money and like make this thing. And my very first people I I connected with was the whole nuclear gopher community. I was like, can we, can we do this? And like, I heard about this guy named Ryan, like, like he was important in the scene, right? Like, I don't remember how it all went down, but do you guys know? And they put me in touch with Ryan and then it just became this thing. And it was like, oh man, there's an archive of films that they have like 20 short films and music videos and trailers for films and horror films that never existed that they made while witnesses. And there's this backlog of like 30 albums. And those artists went on to make like 17 more albums of powerful music about their exits. And I was just like, this is an incredible goldmine. And everyone's like super energetic about telling this story. So five years later, here we are. We have a story. The film is done. We're super excited. And now it's about getting it out in the world. Um, yeah. And it's it's all very much this DIY ethic that Ryan and, and Anthony have mentioned that like own it, be fully independent. Um don't sign deals with parasitic <laughs> groups, like embrace the technology that's new is a big ethos of that we all kind of share. It's kind of a kind of just on on that I always felt like that was uh almost a side effect of the of the fact that as witnesses we uh thought we were living in the last days of an evil world, right? Like the 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 governments, the other religions, the businesses, you name it. It's all Satan and it's all being destroyed any minute now, like next Tuesday. So you couldn't really feel like it made a lot of sense to make partnership with that world. You couldn't, it didn't make a lot of sense to, you know, invest your future there. It didn't make a lot of sense to try to monetize or sign to a record label or do any of that. So it just seemed like the obvious thing to do if you loved making music was just like make it and then share it and then find other people who'd like to do that too. But there was like, it almost had this nice weird purity that came out of it from like just a straight up, like almost totally non-commercial DIY, like just punk rock attitude thing that came just from the fact that it's like, well, the world's ending anyhow. So we're not trying to make our mark there. We're trying to make our mark with each other. We're trying to do this for each other and putting it on the internet, just like made it visible. And there was nowhere on Nuclear Cover that would have said, like, we are all Jehovah's Witnesses on this label. If you had been on our site in 1998, you wouldn't have seen that. Um, it would have just been a bunch of cool music. Um, but it was it was it was funny how like the rules of the of the fact that we thought the world was ending any minute now was like, well, OK, so don't bother worrying about trying to get big in it. Just uh, have fun. You know, like I, I still uh, I still feel that way about about making music. I still feel that way about creativity. And I know Anthony and Scott do the same. I never actually even met Scott back in the when when this was all originally happening. I only met Scott when we made this movie. Oh, there it is. The beauty right there. The creativity bringing people together. The creativity uh has to be expressed you know it's so funny ryan because when you talk about that i just had this flashback to like my aunt dressing me up in like a secondhand suit and making me go around and hand out you know um watchtowers and awake to uh to 
people and just being like horrified that I had to go do it. But um, but yeah, I think what you woke up was that idea that the world was going to end. I think she really imbued that in us, like because I always had this this sort of thing where I was like, you know what, I'm not going to invest in like a 50 year career. I'm not going to invest in like spending 20 years of my life because the world's just going to end. I was sort of felt that as part of growing up in the 1980s, maybe, but there probably was a, a level of like, I'm not one of the hundred thousand. So my body's just going to be recycled or whatever, or, you know, I'll live in a different world. It probably existed. Um, this is a really fascinating conversation. You guys, I want to make sure uh, that the audience has an opportunity to ask questions. The audience in this case being uh, Nadoro and odd writings, cryptoversal, Riona, Quanta, ER Donaldson, uh, myself, I'm in the audience, but I'm asking questions freely. So you guys go ahead. If you have a question now is a great time to do it. Uh, yes, I can jump in. So this is Rihanna Morgan again, and I am a big proponent of building family with friends and loved ones outside of family. And oddly enough, I, I'm an adult orphan and my my family has disappeared over the years because of our generation gap is huge and they've actually passed away. And so my family are uh, is you guys <laughs> CD and Quanta and Cryptoversal and ER Donaldson and Odd Writings and Dylan and you know all of you and so I I feel this devastation when I hear you talking that y your family is alive and they are losing some of the best pieces of their world because you are also alive <laughs> and I am, I am, I'm just devastated for you that this is happening and that this has happened and this happens all over the world for people who are just like, no, I just really don't want to believe that. I don't want to follow that. And so I'm, I'm hopeful and would like for you to speak to who is your family now? Um, it really sounds like, you know, Ryan has Scott and, and Scott has, you know, everybody, you know, the, um, and I'll just say gorilla convict here, um, for, um, this purpose, but that you have each other. And so I just want you to talk, speak to that a little bit and talk about who is your family now. It's kind of a weird thing when you're coming out of it, because it's like, you're literally starting your life over. No friends, no connections. You think the world is evil, or at least thought that, so you've never fostered any kind of relationships outside of a community. But for me, coming out, it was landing with like-minded creative people and realizing, you know, they are like me. You know, they're not from the same background, but they have that kind of creative weirdness, that energy. And I found that with a group called Stash uh, Publishing, which was a little comic creator club I joined. And, you know, we all just became best friends. And one of the, the things that has been awesome now with Scott's documentary is it kind of helped me be able to come back and reconnect with old friends like Ryan, you know, that I haven't talked to in a while and share these memories and also look forward to collaborating on new projects again. Yeah, I, I have a similar answer in the sense that I... I one thing that stayed one thing that helped me transition to being out in the world instead of being in the closed society was was the fact that if I played music with somebody uh they felt like family almost like it's like a a mental shortcut 
And um, early on in the first year or two after I left uh, the religion, when I was really in a dark place and I didn't really have anybody, um, I mean, I do still have a son and I, st and, and he was, he, he's still in my life and that's wonderful. And, but you know, he's at this point, he's an adult. Um, <clears throat> but I, I got involved in a band. That was the thing that was, I, 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 I went to visit a Unitarian Universalist church because I knew there would be people there who were of all views of, of life, including atheists and Buddhists and everybody theists like but that that was it was non-judgmental and um and i i played in their in their church band <laughs> and i never played in the church band when i was a witness because they don't have those um and uh but it was a bunch of you know kind of uh hippies playing folk music and sometimes beatles tunes and we got super close really fast and i i learned fairly early on that I didn't have to share religious dogma with somebody to stand on stage with them and sing together and feel like, like family. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things I really miss is, is that I had that with my biological family and I really don't anymore, um, because of this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, whoever I can make music with winds up feeling like family to me. I had something similar happen and I hadn't really thought about it in a while, but it's been 15 years since I left the religion. I was dating someone for the first time. I was dating a Jehovah's Witness and we left the religion together. So this whole story, but when we came back to the States after traveling for like six months, we'd like a physical journey while we we're having this spiritual deconversion experience simultaneously. And then we came back to the States and I joined a band. It was like noise, folk, punk, and it was awesome. And we didn't care at all about making any songs. We did end up making songs with all these bands that were touring through. We used to have hosts like house shows. And they would ask us to open for them because they thought we were hilarious and we just made noise and it was really crazy. And it was super fun. And it was sort of like, you know, I was third, 20, well, at that time I was like 29. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm like going back to my roots. And so music became this special thing. And then like a year later, I was like, well, if I'm going to be untethered from family and the shunning's real, shunning's serious. I didn't expect that from my family because they're really bad at the religion. They were like kind of half-assing it all the time. Um, I, I was like, well, if I'm going to be untethered, I might as well go somewhere far. I've always wanted to live abroad. So I flew to Vietnam and started teaching English. And then I met this music community there. And I just, I just dove in and I started doing covers and playing live and um, like challenging myself with three new songs a week, three new cover songs a week. And then, and I was like embedded in that community. I started filming people who were like really good. And I was like, oh, this is what I love. I'm going to make music videos with these people. And that just became this whole thing. I'm making my first film, Hanoi Mixtape from that. And then I was like, well, I know how to do all this stuff now. And that was over like a period of five years. I was in Vietnam and made that whole thing. And I was like, now I think I could tell the really big story I want to tell. Now I have all the skills to do it. And I made a whole film. I could do it again. But I want to tell this deep, heavy thing about shunning. I bet I could do it with musicians and music. It has to be with music. It was like this deep through line, which we all kind of have that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, guys, I, I just want to say like that this whole thing is incredible. And I, uh, I I watched the trailers earlier today and, you know, it, it hit me um, on a personal level, you know, you know, as a person who, who is currently religious, but has not always been and, and had my in and outs with my own church. Uh, I also have had experience with cults, whereas my my wife and uh, members of my wife's family were uh, involved at with within a cult at some periods of time. And 
it got so bad that we lost uh, connection with that that branch of the family for a couple of years of our life. Um, you know, after we were married. Uh, my my question here is is that I love, you know, I, I guess to preface it, I love what you're doing here because I think that drawing attention to these issues provides a way of reaching out and an invitation to draw others who may feel trapped within this cult-like mentality into a situation where it's, hey, you're not alone and you have some kind of support group. So, you know, aside from the documentary, I'm curious, have you guys given any other thought to uh, additional outreach to try to help individuals who may be trapped and uh, stuck and isolated in this cult mentality and, and still feel alone, still feel like there's no other choice. Maybe I can jump on that one. The, there are a lot of groups uh, that are focused on that, and there are different kinds of activism that people do to reach back into the... I like how you framed it, actually. I really like that. Um, the people who are mentally trapped or are mind-controlled and trapped or like are dealing with that kind of... They're stuck in that world in some way. Um, they're worried, they're scared about losing family and friends because that will happen. There's a lot of groups that are really focused on that. And it's it's a big challenge to like go through your own personal trauma processing um, and also try to help others. And I feel like this film, for me, was my activism. Make this film that bridges the gap, shows love towards those who are still inside. Doesn't We don't point a finger at the religion too hard, but we do show what shunning is and how it is negative, especially through Ryan's story. Um, that's revealed in the film. But yeah, it's a great question. And there are a lot of people who need help and this film can help them. Hopefully, my, one of my big things is when I was a witness, I watched every film I could find on the religion, but just films. I wouldn't look on the internet. Like they don't want you to research them on the internet. Um, so I was like, I can't do that, but I can watch movies. And maybe that was a my own personal like allowance. Um, but I want to make a movie because I'm sure there's people in that might have that same thought. Like a whole movie, it's like, not just a random Google search. It's like someone put together all, you know, something big, something powerful. There's a message to be um, shared there. So I thought I could bridge the gap. That's my activism to help people trapped inside in, in a sense. I, I, I have a similar feeling on this. Um, the, it was kind of important to me from the beginning on the movie that, um, you know, my, my sort of mission in life of sort of DIY creative freedom wasn't going to get sort of weaponized as a, a, a attack vector on the Watchtower society. I, there's a lot of material out there that already sort of takes them to task for a lot of things. But I did think it was very important, and I think it was important with Nuclear Gopher in the first place, um, to try to build connectivity between people, especially people like, like Anthony mentioned, who you know felt like they're sort of trapped in their basement and they can't express themselves and do what they they want to do and then to me that's part of the reason why this idea of of making this film specifically and the way the film is structured the way the film tells the story in a way that tries to be honest but also tries to be somewhat like sensitive and approachable like i think i hope that people who are currently feeling trapped in their situation even not from the Jehovah's Witness perspective, like people have other, you know, sort of fundamentalist or high control traps in their lives. And, and, and that is a, a problem that, that is not unique to the, the witness society, but I'm hoping it does kind of help serve as a little bit of a gateway drug to say to people like, think for yourself, 
use your creativity. It gets better. Uh, you know, you, it, it can be hard, but it can also be beautiful. And, um, and so that's, you know, part of why, you know, we're, we're not just like, it's not a pure activism thing, but I think it can lead to, and we have partnered with other groups that are more involved in activism. And in in, in, I think the, the hope there is that if, if people find this, if they find this movie to be um, moving or helpful or, or uh, cathartic or whatever, um, that they'll take whatever next steps they need. And we're certainly encouraging that in the, in the film and the website and, and through Scott's Scott has been more activist with the whole um, XJW, you know, just trying to raise awareness of the impact of the shunning policy. Um, but like we, yeah, we're trying to, trying to partner with and, and do appearances with, you know, from podcasts and stuff with, with other groups that are more directly activist. Um, but the, hopefully the movie just helps some people feel like it's okay. When you're coming out of, you know, whatever life situation, and you've got trauma and stuff like that, it is so easy to kind of self-destruct. And I see it all the time with creative people that get really hard into this drug or that, you know, because they're dealing with uh, trauma they're trying to process. I think one of the great powerful things about this particular documentary, you know, is it shows an alternate way rather than self-destruction. It's right hard on whatever your passion is. And, you know, it may not be music. It may not be writing. Whatever your passion is, to write hard on it, and that will get you through. And I think that message is pretty universal. I've had the privilege of showing this documentary to young people who are not in identical life situations, but in similar life situations. And we have it's opened the door for us to have some really brilliant conversations. And I think uh, this documentary is the kind of documentary that will spark introspection, and uh, conversations and really get people thinking not just about, oh, the Jehovah's Witnesses and shunning, but a lot of things in life. I agree. And thank you guys. Uh, thank you for those responses. I love what you're doing. Keep up with the good work. Thanks for spreading the good word. Amazing question and an amazing set of answers that you guys gave there. Um, now, a couple of things. Just very quickly, first of all, I want you guys to know that you are always welcome in the Vagabond Magazine family. The VM family is an open family. We're open to everybody that is creative and good, if you're good. Now, full disclosure, I make jokes about cults sometimes. I founded a jokish cult called Baldism, and I just want to make sure that people know that cults are dangerous. Now, one of the things that I put into Baldism that I felt was very important from the beginning is that... No one has the right to tell you what to do, even, you know, the person that founded the cult. So, and I think that that's across the board, the message that people need to hear about cults. I mean, I've been involved in cults, obviously I've talked about that and the saving grace that I've seen people who have escaped from cults, who have freed themselves from cults or who have existed in them and then walked away um, somehow with less damage than others is understanding that no person has the right or the ability to tell you about your spiritual path, to tell you what you need to do in your physical life, or to direct your needs. And that's really important. So I do make jokes about this stuff sometimes. I, I have this jokish thing, but I, I want to make it really clear that cults are not a joke, you guys, and that there is something serious in what I'm saying, which is 
Don't let someone else be the authority of your life because this is your life. You have to live it. So we are going to have to wrap things up, but I want to give a chance for closing thoughts from everyone. If you have something to say, just as we've been doing, open your mic and be considerate of others. Well, real quick, we have a special campaign going this week, so I want to make sure we get that in. I should have started with that. If we get 100 backers this week, we can unlock a $5,000 sponsor um, fund of five grand. So that's a huge thing. We're trying to push on that this week. So thank you for anyone here or anyone who's hearing this who um, supports the project. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I just as a final thought, I just wanted to say I've enjoyed being here and chatting with you folks. And thanks for the thoughtful questions and the, 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 the good conversation. Um, really look forward to, uh, to getting to know you better over time. I'm kind of new to the Vagabond Magazine family, but I already feel welcome. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for the invite to join. That really feels amazing. I appreciate that. And and the discussion earlier about um, finding family, choosing your own family, that's a really powerful um, conversation. I really appreciate you bringing that up. I believe that was Rihanna. Thank you. Yeah, I'm going to jump in again really quick and say thank you all so much for coming and sharing your story and sharing your passion. And it's so easy to hear how important this is to you. And I wish you all the luck and I cannot wait to jump in and support and and be with you on this journey. So thank you so much for sharing your courage. Been a pleasure. And I'm just going to close out. I got a lot of love for... Uh... CD. Um, back in the day, I was a just coming out of a dogmatic fundamentalist religion. I was an office worker, and I was reading this guy's book about these crazy vagabond journeys and all this life experience he was getting trekking around Hawaii and this, that, and the other. I learned uh, when you're down now and broke, uh, sell used books, and I and like that. All that stuff just inspired me to take that next jump out of my comfort zone and just go out in the world and try to follow my dreams. So it's been cool to reconnect and and be on your show and look forward to uh, joining in in future discussions. Anthony, and I got to say, I remembered us connecting, but I didn't remember that that was the impetus. And uh, man, my heart is just like exploding with love for you now, man. Thank you so much for those kind words. I'm looking forward to a lot more conversations. Hey, yeah, uh, this is Odd Writings, uh, George. Uh, and I just want to say real quick, you know, I love this conversation is great. I mean, I would, they always have good conversations here. Um, but on in, in response to the, uh, the $5,000 thing that you guys get for followers, are you talking about on your Kickstarter campaign? Is that the, we follow you there? That's what? right. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. If, with the support, like we're trying to get a hundred new backers. That's the challenge of the week. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, we have the Kickstarter yeah, the going right been, now. The film's been made. Uh, I, Scott will tell me anything I miss here, but the film is complete and um, we're just trying to get it launched out into the world, um, widen the audience, have a uh, have it on streaming platforms, have a, some marketing budget. So there's a sort of a launch Kickstarter that's what we're uh, attempting to raise support for at this point. So it's, it's uh, Scott, want to add anything I missed there? 
Yeah. Making a movie I thought was going to be the challenge and turns out distribution and release is a huge challenge also. And um, we've been at this stage. We won an award, went to 11 film festivals, which is already this huge thing. And now it's, okay, we got the clout. People love it. We won an award. Um, getting it out is, is a challenge. There's a lot of people that are trying to take their 10% off the top for doing nothing and taking zero risks or charging us $30,000 to get in the door so that we can get it onto a platform that we can get on ourselves for free. And so navigating the waters there has been really challenging. And so we found it. We found an indie path and we partnered with um, some indie filmmakers who I've, I've met through the film festival run who are awesome people doing a lot of horror stuff and a lot of, a lot of indie films, a lot of indie docs. And um, we have a path and we partnered with a, a filmmaker who knows how to do this. He's done like 300 film release. Um, he's helped different films get out. Um, he's on our team, Justin Giddings, and it's happening. So the big challenge right now is marketing. And this is a part of that. So thank you so much for having us on and uh, this amazing conversation. I really appreciate all of your questions. Um, also, the the big ask for money is to d- navigate the final indie release, which is getting it on streaming platforms and out released everywhere so we just got one deal which is super exciting in libraries in australia new zealand and the states so that is in the works i sent them everything they need we're pretty sure that's a go we're waiting to get final feedback but like things are happening it'll be a little piecemeal type stuff so um getting the word out helping us back the project is amazing all the art in the project has been donated by the artists um, at, in the digital side. And then if you go to the physical side that we're paying the artists, but it's like, there's a lot of, there's 32 albums and like, there's like 40 people in the credits that are all volunteers and all the books, there's nine eBooks and a few physical books. And like, everyone's really put all their art on the table and like, let's get this movie out in the world. And so we're trying to raise money with that art to get the film out and distributed common streaming services to be Amazon, Apple TV, et cetera. Well, Scott, Ryan, Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today on VMGM. You definitely are going to have me backing the project. I watched the film. I was moved by it, obviously, uh, because you guys are here. This is <laughs> this is the reason why. And I'm so happy that you guys were able to join us. Thank you to everyone who came listening now, listening later on Apple Podcasts or through vagabond.substack.com. Tomorrow you'll be able to join us for the Web3 Writers Hour. We do that typically on X Spaces. And next week we'll be back at the same time for this show at 7 a.m. HST, which you can translate to your local time because we don't change our time zones in Hawaii, so I'm just going to stick with that. Uh, And that is it for us this week, you guys. Thank you for joining us. I would love to have gotten into the Web3 side because I've been wanting to and thinking about minting the film, and I don't know what to do. I pitched it in your your Discord. Um, That would have been a great segue into that, but... Next next show, I would love to be on your show again and also introduce, have you on our podcast as well. Awesome. Yeah, that would be great. And, you know, I just hearing you guys, the DIY ethic, people working for free, which we all do. None of us get paid. So it, it makes a lot of sense. I think all of us in VM to, to hear what you guys are doing. And we're really aligned with the same sorts of values that, that you guys are bringing to the table. So love to see the success. And we didn't get to AI this time. We didn't get to much Web3 stuff. So I hope all three of you guys will come back. You are part of the Vagabond Magazine family now. So come back, talk with us about AI, talk with us about filmmaking and Web3, about NFTs and Web3. And we can't wait to hear more. Aloha and have a great day. Thanks, everyone, again, for hanging out and asking questions. It was awesome. Really appreciate yeah, this it. Is cool. Very cool. Boom,
Dun, 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 dun.